They're standing at Eden Park. And the first try! McKenzie, space again, gets the pass away for Lambert and it'll pop up for Welcome along to the All Blacks podcast, still on the road in sunny Mount Maunganui. Um, Mount Maunganui Sports Club, established here in 1932, I believe, actually 1923. And it's only fair that we're in the uh, we're in the home of uh, New Zealand Rugby Sevens, Roundy. Uh, welcome along to the show, didn't introduce you then, sorry mate, how are it's all right, mate. I'm just good chat. Anyway, uh, like I said, uh, we're here at the home of New Zealand Rugby Seven, so a couple of the, the, the finest and and almost I wouldn't say foundation members, but definitely a lot of uh, a lot of the game has been built around these two individuals. Please welcome to the show, Noah Williams. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And Kelly Brazier, welcome along. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming out today. I know that you ladies are incredibly busy, or is that a lie? What's going on? Yeah, potentially a lie at the moment, to yeah. be honest. Um, we're actually on a six weeks uh, leave period. Um, so yeah, it's just been pretty cool being able to spend a bit of family time and then yeah, the two of us, uh, the odd training session here and there and um, yeah, a bit of club 42 doesn't go too bad. As it is nice to see that you actually get a bit of time because obviously it's been a hectic few years uh, and a new mother. So this is, uh, this is obviously special time for you. Congratulations. And of course, school holidays, you've, uh, you've farmed the whanau out. Yeah, um, <laughs> every um, time there's school holidays, my family back up in Auckland takes them for a week, which is like mum and dad time, so it's like, yes, Just at the Astrolab every night, let's go. <laughs> well, what's that? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but the first week was pretty cool. We did manage to get down to um, Aukuni, so um, oh, nice. um, my girls got to see the snow for the first time. And wow. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, but other than that, this week I've just been living it up. And haven't even been cooking for my partner. It's like every man for themselves, mate. <laughs> but unfortunately, well, it's it's bittersweet, I suppose, because the HSB World Seven Series, which you guys are a big part of, got cancelled because of COVID. But on the positive side, congratulations, because yeah. you won the series. Happy yeah. days. Does it does it feel like a victory? Even because I mean, obviously there is dominance within the within the sport. Did you feel like you've got a little bit of unfinished business, or are you kind of happy to take the W and go? I wanted a bit of both. Um, mm. Stoked to get the W, but would have loved to probably go and play those last few tournaments and probably really stamp your mark, especially like a few months out from the Olympics. So, yep. yeah, it is a bit bittersweet, but I'd definitely take the W any day. What is the plan now then? How do you how do you move on? What is the schedule looking like? We had a bit of um, so after obviously the World Series kind of ended. We um, came in and we had a couple of weeks of connection with our coaches and the whole team and it was really good. We got to actually sit down and um, just process what had happened, um, you know, speak on our feelings and then kind of put a plan of action. There was all these different, it was the unknown, you were planning yeah, yeah. for the unknown so it's quite hard but um, in saying that our, our coaches did a, a good job and all our management and um, we just all put into like our own kind of performance plans where we want to be, say, if this was to the first event or if this date was the first event. And so we've kind of just sat down and we've all got individual plans. And I think it's quite cool because, you know, um, the last four years you're kind of on a team base. Yep. And so f this has kind of been the first period where we actually um, can say, this is what I need, this is what I want to do in this period, and actually get a good chunk to, you know, dominate in that area, I guess. Yeah. And what is that? What's the, um, like you say, it's, you're always bouncing around different tournaments, the next tournament's never too far on the horizon, the focus is always predominantly on the team and trying to get the win at that tournament. For you girls, what's that, that individual aspect that you're trying to 
um, you know, bring into the game while you've got this good long period where, like you say, you can work on things you haven't had the chance to work on before? I think for our team, a lot of it's about coming back and being fresh and, and really yeah. wanting to be there, especially it's going to be a massive year. So um, we've got girls out playing netball. Yeah, um, awesome. Got, we've got a lot of girls like with speed coaches working yeah. on the, obviously, speed's massive in sevens. Obviously not me, because there's other ones like Minnie and Portia. Like, so we've got some girls like doing a bit of like wrestling, jiu-jitsu kind of thing. Oh, so. Wow. Yeah, it's been a pretty cool time to like get back and really work on those things yeah. um, that you've probably never got to do before because we're always sort of against time and like, like Noel said, is um, always sort of a team focus. So it's been um, yeah, massive to be able to um, go and just individually work on these things you've probably been wanting to do for years. Cool. Well, you, you ladies are, are still incredibly young, but it's, you have been in the mixer for quite some time now and, and effectively have had the programme almost built around you and the success of what you've you know, created within the sport. Pre-sevens, what was the sporting landscape uh, for you uh, individually before getting into the code? Yeah, um, so I come from a touch background. Obviously, when I was really young, it was athletics. Um, first, um, our whole family done athletics. What were your events? 100 metres. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you go look at the Roscoe South Club record book and you'll see my name. <laughs> Sarah must be slow coming after me. But we'll dig that up. We'll dig <laughs> yeah. that up. We'll put it in the video. We can find Don't you worry. Yeah, we'll find it. Um, no, 100, 200, 400 and long jump. Oh, there we and go. I, and I used to get so pissed off because my sister, she, um, my twin sister, so it's always a battle um would always be first and second kind of in the racing or the top three but i used to always try and do high jump but i couldn't do um what's it called the, the frosty uh, flop. flop i could only do the, the scissors, scissors, and scissors. I, you know and you, there's only so far you can get with it and she used to just like drive at home and she'd beat me and i was so angry and i never got it so i just quit athletics yeah um no. that's a classic yeah. that's a classic <laughs> twin thing to do eh? as yeah. soon as you start to lose then all of a sudden it's you oh, i dropped yeah. she got faster than me and started beating me the 100 i dropped the 100 yeah so yeah. I went to the 200. Specialised. Yeah, um, I like that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> I like that attitude. But then from there, I just um, kind of around intermediate age, I moved into touch. I found nice. touch and I love touch rugby. I got picked up by obviously um, the legend Pete Walters himself. Oh, and legend. Yeah, yeah so um, he took me under his wing and he was always, almost like my second father. He would turn up to my door and pick me up for trainings when I was trying to hide. And uh, <laughs> But I just grew in touch and I... Honestly, I learned all my ball skills and um, agility and all that through touch, which kind of um, pretty much transferred over. I, like she, um, Cal's played touch too with, for New Zealand and stuff, and I think all those skills are yeah. they just transfer over. So when I did finally come to um, sevens at the young age of twenty six, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I think the hardest part was obviously the technical side of the contact area. Cal, mm. you. Yeah, I was probably a bit different. I've played footy since I was five years old. Awesome. Um, had a brother two years older, so wanted yep. to sort of do everything he did. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously played a lot of other sports, soccer, touch, athletics. Um, but yeah, there was sort of something always about rugby that I just loved. So um, yeah, I've sort of been hanging around it. Yeah, for probably and too many years now. <laughs> and what about the program? Like it was, you know, when the the Blackfern Seven started. It was it literally started for the first time ever. So, what was the process around? What all those was it? What two or three years before the 2016 Olympics was it? Like, what was the process going around and literally trying to put together um, the first women's high performance sevens team? Yeah, so it was uh, 2012, and they had a program called Go for Gold. Yep. Um, and they literally went throughout New Zealand and held like these camps. Um, anyone was welcome. So there was like. 
hockey players, soccer, athletics, the touch, um, netballers. So it was pretty cool just to see the, the athletes. But yeah, they would hold these, I think, day, one day, two day um, yep. drills, running, testing, that kind of thing. Like the old NFL combine sort of yeah, thing, yeah. like doing yep. the jumping, doing the doing the speed testing, like putting the numbers out there. Yeah, totally. And then from that, they sort of picked a, a group of girls and they would go to some camps and obviously slowly the numbers got less and less until they sort of had their, I guess, core squad. But again, back in those days, we weren't centralised or anything. So you'd just get the call, oh, I'll come to camp. So when you got that one of those calls, you were pretty stoked because there was girls that didn't even get to come up and trial. So yeah, uh, definitely changed a bit since then. Yeah, awesome. We are talking about this um, just before we turned the mics on and the centralisation of the camp and being based here in Mount Maunganui, which is great because uh, obviously uh, the, the, you know, Gordon Titchens, very well known in the seven circles. He's got his pretty plush pad or had a pretty <laughs> plush pad on Ocean Beach Road there. So I can imagine that he wasn't overly pumped on leaving the place because, I mean, it's heaven. That's where I grew up. I know exactly. But it's, uh, it is also the most punchy place when it comes to real estate it's the most expensive part of New Zealand to live, and uh, and pretty hard to, to pretty hard at the same time has been pretty awesome to have it based here in, in Mount Maunganui. What difference does it make you think by having everybody here? Oh, just personally, I tell everyone that um, as soon as I moved down here, I I just thought my game in rugby just skyrocketed, um, and for the simple fact that I was training alongside all these other girls, um, competing, learning in a team environment, had the coaches there, you know, to watch you. Um, you weren't doing it through phone calls or video analysis, you know, it, it just the fact of us all physically being here together to train day in, day out, I just made my game, you know, skyrocket. And that's what I, well, that's what I think. But I, and I think a lot of other girls would think the same as well. And it's not just um, having the girls together, but you've got the men here as well. You've got the steamers here. Uh, you've got the black caps or, or you know, the the cricket side of things over here, it's turned into a real high-performance hub, hasn't it? And does that, does that sort of create, lift the standards, you know, when you've got people who are at the top of their game all in and around each other? Yeah, I reckon, and you sort of vibe off of everyone's success, so yep. it's pretty cool, you know, you can walk in the gym, you see Kane Williamson or something off the yep. back of a pretty good Black Caps win, and, yep. um, you know, the boys get home from a tournament and they've had a win kind of thing, so yeah, I reckon there's just heaps of vibes you pick up from each other and then just celebrating each other's success, it's, it's pretty cool to be around and I guess just drives you as an athlete even more to to want to sort of follow and keep going. You know, the steel sharp and steel and at the moment it's raining here and it's not a great day but outside, although you can't see this because it's a podcast, one of the uh, one of the men's uh, sevens lads is out there either putting in some extras or running off some beers, one of the two. <laughs> He's, uh, he's getting rid of a few beers from Sunday, <laughs> isn't he? But he's 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 getting rid of them though. By God, he's done some running since we've been looking out the window. Who was that, out. William? William Warbrick. Oh, good boy, good boy. Stop. But um, I just want to go back to a point you made earlier. Like obviously, with you both playing touch and you playing a bit of footy um, as a young girl, Cal, like heaps of transferable skills. You obviously makes a lot of sense that you guys did cross over to sevens really, really successfully. But what about um? The first time dropping the shoulder, what about the first time cleaning out a ruck or putting in a big hit and you know, perhaps some of those things that you don't do in touch rugby that are not just about um, going in hard, but also there's, there's a heap of technique to that. Was that pretty cool the first time you rolled out and actually had to you know, put a few shots on? I think if anyone um, played against me playing touch, they probably would say I was more suited to sevens. Heavy <laughs> 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 Um But growing up with two brothers and, yep. and a twin sister, was very, uh, I guess, aggressive playtime at home. Uh, <laughs> and um, no, nah, but I, I, I totally think that when it comes to contact, it's all about attitude. 
So um, you could be the biggest, scariest person on the field, but if you don't want to make a tackle, you're not going to make a tackle. Yep. Um, but putting your head in those dark places, and I think for me, just learning the technical side of it was more so about myself, not knocking myself out when I would go in for a tackle. You know, not, <laughs> And I don't always get it right, but you know, at the end of the day, if I get them down on the ground, sometimes I'm like, well, then I've done my job, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tick the yeah. box. Just on the, on the fact that everything's based here, and, and obviously you are the best, you're the, the leading light, you are what everyone in terms of the world... Um, seven circuit looks towards are you starting to see a lot of what you're doing being replicated by other countries does it kind of feel like you're sprinting in the dark because you're going where no one's gone before and you and it's working so is the you're starting to see that sort of thing not spying but creeping in and just replicating the, the program that you've got here in Mount Maunganui yes 100 yeah. percent it's um, been happening percent. for a few years now um, we could literally do anything in the warm-up and then the next tournament you'll see another team um, doing it. So <laughs> yeah. I think we've all had thoughts of um, doing something, eh? just doing something <laughs> randomly, like nothing to do with rugby whatsoever. And some some ballet um, warm-ups. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. Remember the Titans dance, yeah. sort of warm-up dance. <laughs> like to, yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, a lot of countries have, have just sort of followed, um, yeah, film our warm-ups, all sorts of things, um, even sort of some of our game plan and that kind of thing. But obviously probably doesn't suit some of their, their styles of play, but um, I guess that's what happens when you're sort of the leading team in the world, everyone thinks it's it's working and, and wants to follow. With the so development of that though, with obviously, you know, when you're looking at sort of life outside of, life outside and life after footy, does open up a lot of, because you're effectively, they're using you as a coaching strategy, I guess. So is there thoughts post this to maybe go and develop another country's sevens program or is there a loyalty? I know that DJ Forbes battled with this really heavily when he was in the game for so long and then there was multiple offers for him outside of it and he just felt that he just couldn't do it to New Zealand <laughs> sevens. But it's, at the end of the day, you've got to pay some bills, you know? Like, is there, is, you know, like are they looking at bringing in, in girls from overseas to learn stuff here and then go back? Or is, there a, is there any of those pathways available? been a few players they, um, from other countries who do, um, I guess, holiday in New Zealand and then they try to link up with the girls and they come in and watch. Um, we had one of the French ladies' husbands, um, what was he doing, a trainer or something? Yeah, he was come, oh, he Surely was, a yeah, he was a trainer, yeah. <laughs> this was, this was, we thought it was quite fun, weird and funny, but he was a trainer and he had come down to watch one of our trainings, but he was on here on, on holiday and learning and, and I just found it real like... Me being a com like competitor, I was yep. like, "Why is he at our training?" Get out of here, buddy. Like, <laughs> but obviously that day we did a uh, bronco in the rain and hail, so he probably was like, "That's what we need to do." <laughs> and we were all like, "Why are we doing it in this weather?" So maybe he took that back to them. But um, yeah, I I think a lot of teams, if they could, um, would snatch up players um, quickly, real fast, um, to go help them out. But me personally, probably I'm not. Wouldn't say I would go down a coaching path. Um, this one here is probably going to be a future coach of our team, I reckon. But um, I would definitely love to help out and maybe in more of a youth area and just yep. the basic skills and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, the good thing for that too is like, while, you know, for the off the field stuff, the, the girls' game, the 15s and the 7s, is growing. Like, it's one of the biggest growth areas that we have in rugby in this country. So, surely over time, that's going to create opportunities, like you say, to either um, help start uh, 7s programs in other parts of the countries in different age groups. There might be opportunities within schools um, and, and getting uh, more of your skills and resources into, into those areas because they, I don't know the numbers exactly, but they're booming, aren't they, when, um, you know, the growth um, within the women's game? Yeah, I think it's massive, like... 
when I started playing, I was the only girl in my team and yep. you know, you got 100 boys kind of thing. Whereas now, uh, even here locally, you go down to the local clubs and they've got four girls teams and they're yep. five, six, seven years old. So it's cool to see the amount of girls that are playing and the competitions uh, they have for them. And like you said, I think it's just going to keep keep going off, off of um, both the sevens and fifteens team success. So no, it's pretty cool to see. Have you have you noticed that that <coughs> excuse me that there's more competition for places now? You, because obviously you've got a core team and you're the best of the best. So these these young pups nipping at your heels. Uh, are you starting to feel a bit of pressure for position now, or are you starting to see some superstars coming through? Because obviously, again, it's going to be young girls transitioning more than likely out of something like a, like a touch or a netball or a hockey background, specialising in sevens. You know, maybe over summer training sort of periods and then coming into the team and, and, and joining the team. Who are the young upstarts that we should be looking out for on the circuit? Um, I think in our team, I, there's a young girl called Mahina Poor, and um, she's still got a, a fair bit to work on, but she has the, the like, you know, the the making of a, of a superstar. Um, you you might have seen her, she actually came on in our semi-final, semi-final, quarter-final. Yeah. Yep. Quarter final against England, against, uh, England. Yeah. and um, she so she just got caught in because one of our players got injured, and so she flew over to Cape Town oh, from wow. here, and she pretty much what two days later she was yep. playing and uh, got caught on overtime in uh, <laughs> quarter final, and she ran around the wing and scored our winning try to get Ripped us through to the semi. So oh, um, what I a think, start! Yeah, <laughs> you know, so she's got high expectations <laughs> now, <laughs> but um, I think like just yeah, for me personally, um, she's got a good attitude and she gets a few other things right. Um, it's hard when you come out of school and she's quite young. So uh, the one thing I always try harp onto these young girls is um, that come out of school because they've known no other life. Yep. You know, and um, you got to tell them this isn't reality. This is like you're living the dream. And they have to do X amount of babysitting hours yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. So I just put it like, you know, like, is that something? Put your, your application. Yeah. And yeah. Once you, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Like I just yeah, we always harp onto them about you know trying to that you're definitely living the dream, and um, you wouldn't know that until you actually work a nine to five job yeah. for yeah. sixteen dollars an hour. <laughs> so, but um, and saying that yeah, definitely Mahina would probably be one for me to look at. What about you? Yeah, I think there's um, a couple of girls on the development team. There's a girl, Grace. I think she was a netballer as well. Um, just, again, real athletic. Probably got the coming from another sport, sort of what it takes to be an athlete. Um, she's probably, yeah, definitely another one to, to watch out for. But other than that, I think it's been probably hard with the, the virus that's been going on. All sort of competitions have been put on hold. Yep. So there's sort of limited opportunities at the at the moment for to see sort of the talent. But... I'm sure once things are backing up and running, there's going to be a hell of a lot of girls because yeah, when you sort of go into the schools, there's, yeah, it's a pretty scary seeing how good they are. Yeah, what, is, what is the school's competition like? And obviously that's for sevens and fifteens. Well, I heard the other day that um, no one wants to play Hamilton Girls High School just because yeah. they're so unreal. Stat. Yeah. Stat. So, um, yeah, like so, there's no one. Yeah, <laughs> so they've had to split into three teams, even teams, and just play play each other so oh, wow. I think that's probably wow. breeding ground for um, girls 15s and 7s in New Zealand oh, yeah look for out. sure we've got is a few from yeah um, from their school and our team at the moment so yeah, cool. is that yeah. just because of what they've got in terms of coaching structure they actually put a lot of emphasis on it because I mean it's the same I think there was a there was a real period probably maybe two or three years ago which saw the numbers in soccer football really booming for kids because parents were all of a sudden wanting to wrap their kids up in cotton wool and have no contact and there was 
Like that could have been almost the end of the game, but I think everyone sort of realises now with education and that it's it's not like the NFL. We're not, you know, ending up with all these massive head injury traumas and people going off the rails, that there will be a swell again. And I think that the girls, because of the common sense that you have, <laughs> the numbers grew through that period. And as a result of that, you're in a you're in a really good space and looking like it that you know that's you're going to have those numbers for quite some time. Is there going to be a chance to expand this and almost have two teams because? You know, with seven on the paddock, there's, it's got to be the thought. Yeah, I think so. Like, like I said, we do have that development team, but mm. at the moment, with the virus, it's been hard for them to get up and play. But um, once they do, like other years, they sort of go to Japan and play in tournaments. Mm. Um, they've gone to Oceania tournaments. So I think the sooner that can get back, probably the better for our women's game because it sort of gives those, those girls probably the next tier down sort of something to strive for, like step by step. So get to there and then obviously the next one is probably taking our place so um. <laughs> but you've got to remember too with those girls they've all got they're not full time yeah, so in that right. development so yeah. I guess that's the probably their hardest thing too is, so we get yeah. to live and breathe it we train it every day and that's like I said before my game got better from that and so for them they're off studying or working I guess what you guys were doing at the start of the program um, so that's invaluable being here centralised so for Yep. Any of those girls to actually make a mark when they come through in a camp, like, you know, oh, we're going to have um, some games before we lead off into a tournament and um, we'll, ch- we'll play against the development. And for them to stand out, you've got, they've got to be pretty good because, yep. you know, if you look at our team, these girls, we've been here for a while now. And like you talked about competition from the younger ones, I think the thing that keeps us pl- older players, I guess, in there is the competition we have within ourselves. Yep. Um, and that you can't beat that, so you you know your own standards, and if you're if you're gonna, you know when you're below them and when you're peaking. So um, I think that's still something that a lot of the young girls on our team um, have to learn. Is um, first and foremost, you have to be beating your own standards, because then you know if you're yep. there, then you're gonna. It's easier to beat someone in your position. But even they just having that uh, rivalry in the team. Um, there's a difference between some of our, our senior players within the young players of. Um, that's my friend, but. And then the next step is, okay, that's my friend, but she's in my position and she's getting the minutes, but I want those minutes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah, you, yeah. that's the thought, like your thought process, like, yeah, sweet as, like, say if I was playing first like Kelly, I'd be like, yeah, me and Kelly's are the best mates in that, but once I once we go training that, I want I want those minutes, so yeah. I'm going to try to be better than her. And that's hard to teach that. That yeah. almost yeah. is the secret source of a successful program, isn't it? That you're, you're pushing each other along, you're super competitive, but... It's the end of getting the balance right of the individual and the team aspects of it. Does it blow up? Because I know this is across the board within footy. There is passion within teams, and it's uh, and there is biff within teams because it's a physical game. Does it happen? Does it happen often? Does it does it boil over sometimes? Oh, yeah. Has there any, been a dust up at yeah, training? Any any memorable <laughs> memorable moments? I wouldn't say massive dust ups, but um, quite often there are yeah, some sort of heated arguments and. Good. Um, discussions probably involving someone sitting beside me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> they quite often are, are the older girls, and it's just the competition yep. like so competitive. And like Noel said, you are best mates, but when you go head to head, it's yep. like it's game on. And um, probably in, in Sarah Hidney and in Ruby too, they're <laughs> yeah. probably just to name a few. <laughs> our um, ones that sort of feature in grumpy old players, are they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, no, they never back down. And again, it's just that healthy competition. Like you're yep. going to do everything you can to win, even if it's against your mate. And it's out on these fields here and just training. But yep. I think, like you said, that's Love the it. back to success. 
I'll share a story with you. Yes. Um, Please do. <laughs> we were in uh, uh, one of our training camps for uh, leading into Commonwealth Games. and um, my <laughs> <laughs> As Kelly puts her hands in her head and hands, this is going to be good. Myself and uh, Ruby Tui, um, so we've been, tr- we've been getting thrashed at training. And so, you know, your patience levels go from about 100 to 2. And um, we were playing some games and ended up throwing something at Ruby and she didn't appreciate it. And, <laughs> and it was... It was at that moment like we just, I think we both just had enough and we yeah. were just like, Wah! and because me and Ruby are like, everyone calls us like husband and wife. Yeah. And so we just weren't talk, we didn't talk. <laughs> and But because we're such like, I guess, strong p- people, um, our presence is felt. And so imagine, I remember one of the young girls coming up to, to me and going, can you guys just talk? It's like mum and dad are fighting. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny. And like, we, like literally me and Ruben so stubborn. And I was like, um, catch up for a talk if you want to. And she's like, well, if you want to. And I was like, well, if, if you want to, I'll be at the blah, blah, blah place. And she's like, well, I might be there if you're going to be there. Like, like and so anyway, anyway, we ended up meeting up and we had a chat. And then the girls come to dinner and me and her are like yarning and getting on. And everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> Mum and Dad's back together again, happy, and it was just—it's—it was quite a, like a funny time. But like I said, because you're in you're training so hard and you're doing all yep. the stuff that sometimes you know shit does hit the fan. And, oh, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you're good mates and you can push through it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was <laughs> that story comes up. And the, in terms of the argy bargy, who is it, who is the team that you play on the circuit that you always have the biggest, most physical encounters with? The team that you like to beat the most? The team that you love to thrash, the player that you love to line up and end every time. Who are they? In that order. Yeah. It's probably a couple, like, yeah. they're not a physical team, so you probably, it's hard to get into physical contact with them, but I'm not going to lie, who do you love to beat? Australia, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, probably one of our most physical battles, though, I would say is definitely the USA. Mm. they got some pretty big, hardy girls in there, and, uh, yeah, when we play them, we know pretty much have to front up. So, yeah, there's... And, the Americans, you know, they they like to um, when they get one over you, they like to tell you about it. So, yeah. how um, is that that as a culture, <laughs> eh? They they you know when they've scored points, they oh, will yeah. make you well aware of that. Have you noticed with the grow or with the I guess because they've got is it ten thousand ten thousand NFL dropouts per whatever yeah. it is per cut that then you've got this massive influx for the men's team. Now the men's team have been going well. Carl Niles is just. He seems to have been there forever as well, and he's you know become the poster boy for Gary Baker, this, sprinter, you know, yeah. for sevens. Uh, have you noticed the same with the girls as well? That all of a sudden these track stars are coming out, and these girls that were I don't know Greek and Roman wrestlers are making the cut. <laughs> well, even in the English side too, like their strikes out out wider um, track track and field athletes, yep. so they're coming left, right, and centre, and um, you know I guess. You may be able to run fast and be strong, but if you can't play rugby, yep. sometimes yep. you're just wasted personnel out there, you know? Um, Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, like, um, with the women's teams, uh, there's a lot of big, big, strong girls. And I always say when I first started to play, I remember I lined up in the, the tunnel before you run out. You line up next oh, yeah. to your opposition, you both run out together. And I remember I used to look at them and be like, what the f like? <laughs> what is this? The woman's team? Cause damn! Like I thought our girls were big, but our girls are actually one of the smallest teams on the circuit. But as we got, as I started to play and become a better rugby player, yep. I now I looked at them and I was like, 
you're big, but you're going to be gone as after two minutes, or you can do this, but you, you know, you, yeah. it, and it's quite funny, like your mindset changes from just looking and being, um, I guess, intimidated to knowing what you can do as a rugby player, and then you don't see that anymore. Yeah, mm. and talk us through that because you know, for people like myself and Jay, when we're watching sevens, basically what we see is a bunch of very, very fit and very, very fast people. But like, what's your role out there? Like, there's because um, having a bit of a look at it, like getting yelled at by yeah, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, you're you're doing the mahi, you're setting it up. You know, like what's what's your role within the team? Um, you know, nine sevens is not um, there's it's a big old field with not too many people on it, so you got to do a bit of everything. But like. You know, in a perfect world, what are you? What's your role out there? Mine's definitely to, um, well, depending where I play. If I'm in the forwards, I'd like to be more the contact enforcer. So, just strong, dominant hits, um, stealing ball where I can, and just um, a connection between my insides and my strike player. And um, I guess that's where I'm lucky. I come from a touch background, even though I'm yep. a bit bigger and not as quick as those girls. I can still create stuff, and I like so we're called creators on our, in our team. And so whether I do get chucked out into the backs, and I'll tell you one thing, standing at centre on a set piece is a lonely, lonely place. <laughs> and when you know you're 32 field. and she's 21 <laughs> and she's come from track, you're like, shit, <laughs> Kelly into you. <laughs> but no, I guess, yeah, that's probably my main role is just to try to lead with my actions and, um, yep. yeah, just follow the lead from this one. Kels has got a very quiet and very measured on a, on a podcast. You never see a photo of you without your mouth wide open barking something at somebody. Yeah, my role's uh, the playmaker we called in our team. So obviously trying to create space for um, the fast ones like Noel to score tries out wide. And probably more of the, the thinking game, like the tactical, like why are we calling moves? Um, where are we trying to hit against certain teams? So yeah, mine's probably more trying to think and... Yeah, that's probably why you see me yelling at Noel lots. <laughs> <laughs> Whether she listens or not, it's another story, but... <laughs> it's Great fun. communication. Good times. But take us back to those, go all the way back to the, those early days, like um, real pioneers, like turning up to, um, you know, global sevens tournaments. Was it a massive eye-opener? Were all the teams on the same page? So it was, it was quite exciting because it was, you are all at the start of the journey. Um, to take us back to some, you know, like there's big tournaments out there in Hong Kong, over in the States, over in Canada, like it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I think it was exciting, but probably back then, because rugby was so new in a lot of those countries, um, the level wasn't as good, so yep. um, even Australia, like they were finishing sort of seventh in the World Series, which is unheard of these days, so um, it was pretty, pretty much probably only between three, three teams back then, there wasn't as much competition, but... Uh, on the other side of it, yeah, like flying to places like Dubai, yep. um, flying first class, like it was unreal, like yep. coming from Dunedin and, you know, <laughs> and get out now and then. But um, yeah, it's unreal and you know, having people like, oh, do you want a champagne? You're like, what is this? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> nah, yes, I do. Oh, take two. Like, you got a spate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the places you get to see, it's like unreal and just like hotels in Dubai, like yeah. this is stuff you sort of see in the movies and Off then the hook. here you are living that kind of thing, so... No, nah, it's um, definitely a massive eye-opener and yeah, it's just been unreal few years. Now that we can dare to dream, because we're not going to probably be travelling <laughs> for quite some time, what, are, what is the favourite destination for, for both of you? Uh, I actually got asked this question the other day and mine 100% would be, i got two, so it's Dubai and also Cape Town. Mm. Oh, nice. What makes them so special? Uh, Dubai, probably just because it's like... Said like off the movies, like yep. just crazy. These massive high rose buildings, and then there's just like sand a meter away from it. 
Um, and we're actually lucky enough one year, we were staying at this hotel and our manager messages and it's like, oh my God, I'm down in the lobby, I just seen 50 cent. And so <laughs> before you know it, there's like 200 girls screaming down in the lobby. But um, yeah, that's probably why I do why. And then Cape Town was my first time there this year. Yep. And just purely like, I thought New Zealand would love rugby, but holy, like over there, it's just like a whole nother level, like Nuts. so passionate, like yep. um, running out in front of you, yeah, like 50,000 screaming fans, like, yep. yeah, just unreal their passion. And, and yeah, it was pretty special. Um, those two because of those reasons yeah. and also though in Dubai um, our mate John Larkins he, he hooks it up so we actually go a week early and we go to Abu Dhabi Ooh. and um, he just always puts on something special for us and he's a Kiwi living over there and oh. he's doing big things over there but the f- the fields we train on are like hand sewn or whatever you do yeah, 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 yeah. it's crazy <laughs> and I know and um, that is a job yeah <laughs> Top hotel, and um, so like we've been to the, you know, the Formula One that happens yep. there. So yep. we yep. we go to that, and we get to go to the concerts. Oh wow! So you see like J Cole, Rihanna. Because it's racing in the day and yeah. festival concerts yeah. at night, isn't so it? It's like off the hook festival. Right, yeah, and yep. so everyone's just like so jealous, and we, and we <laughs> like the water world, and we do train though too. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. No we do. doubt. We do. No doubt. No doubt. Do you want we subscription numbers for seven? The girls just go through the roof. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I that's why I love um Dubai and um Cape Town was unreal the people yeah just crazy i think we stood on the field for about nearly two hours after that we won that final wow. for signing autographs and, that, and they all hung around wow. like the whole stadium was full of people and then um but obviously two two um tournaments that have become my favorite is definitely sydney because my twin sister and my dad live there awesome. so i get to see them every time i go to sydney it's like a free family trip <laughs> and then um and then hamilton having um being able to run out there the first time and have my girls and partner and um, my brother and his f- wife and kids all in like it's a, just a different buzz when you know it's your family cheering for you on the sideline yeah, yeah so. the hamilton is a, is a hectic time isn't it i mean i've i've grown up going to sevens and wellington was great and it's always been a party but Hamilton is just a well, mate. They're just a different, <laughs> yeah. different bit of kit over yeah. here, isn't it? Yeah. It is a, that is a hectic scenario. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if we could just go back to the um, the haka and and how important the inclusion of that is into it, Narungotoa, I think it is. How did that come about? Who was the one that sort of facilitated that? Yeah, so it's a massive part of our team and obviously culture in New Zealand. Um, it's actually our trainer's wife now, a girl Tiana. Uh, she was part of the team, a couple of them back in 2012, um, sort of wrote it, composed it and come up with it and now it's part of part of our team, uh, we've made it ours and yeah, we perform it uh, only when we win, sort of special occasions or sometimes when maybe a girl gets injured and has to fly home from a tournament, we'll perform it for them and um, yeah, but over time too it sort of evolved, we've got some pretty good cultural leaders in um, Portia Woodman and Stacey Walker, or Flula now, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, and yeah, that sort of changed a few of the actions and kind of evolved with our team as, as we've gone along. But yeah, that's no, definitely a massive, massive part of our team and sort of keeps us grounded. How, how has it changed over time? What's Vivi just mixed it up and I'm up? I don't like that. Flossing's big on TikTok now. We're going to throw <laughs> that in. I think it's just um, like you watch it and you know that it could, it could not just be better as in it wasn't great, but it just like it's like a team, like, you know, you're winning. But why? So why would you change things? Like you want to be better, and I think it just evolves with the team and the personnel. And who, and and honestly, to be fair, it would be like whoever's leading that um, area. So like with Portia and Stacey coming in and leading it, um, they're putting 
you know, what they think into it too. And, and then they go and talk with Tiana Ngawati, which is Brad's partner, and um, then they come back and they agree. And it's not like they tell us this is what's happening. They say this is the changes we're thinking. And then we all agree and then we practice it. And, um, yeah, we have some good practices. And um, one thing I do love doing is when we're um, on tournaments, we always have a kapahaka practice. And so we hire up, you know, one of the rooms and we um, we practice it and then we do one full bore. And I love it because when we do it, and without like a doubt, when we walk out of the room, there'll be people standing outside, like, <laughs> you know, because they've heard us go do it. But yeah. um, we actually do another cool thing um, that Stacey and Porsche introduced, and uh, they split us off into groups. And um, every time you go into your group, so it'll just be a random, random group, and um, you have to have a new leader every time, and they actually have to lead the haka. Nice. So you know how you always see, um, I think it's Ty and Porsche and Gossie and that will lead the haka. Um, in your group, when we're here, you have to lead it, so you know all the parts too in that. Yep. And we have a bit of banter because um, I always- Nervous. <laughs> it nervous. is, You never want to be in Niall's group, you just can't concentrate. <laughs> yeah, there's too much shit talking going on. I mean, just like, I'm just like, guys, captain over here, follow me, follow me. So yeah, it's a bit of banter, and but it's good because it gets you fully involved and learning. And one thing that I do know is, um, you know, our Māori culture here in New Zealand is, is massive for us and when we do perform it, we want to do it well. So yep. when we do practice, we are pretty hearty. Now you've had, um, you know, the program's been going for a while, which is it's actually amazing how long it's been going really when you think about it, it's, it's gone quickly. But you've had, been involved in a couple of massive tournaments. Firstly, some disappointment, 2016 Olympics, like kind of to what you are hinting at earlier, Kelly, the program started really well, you know, like you are certainly one of the strongest teams, if probably the strongest, but got to 2016 and played Aussie in the final and, and won silver. Do you want to talk us a little bit through that? Was it, um, well, in your words, did you... Peak too early, or or um or you know um, full credit to Aussie in, in terms of that they got themselves in the right place for for the Olympics. Yeah, I think it was a tough one. Like even looking back, it's sort of still a bit of chip on your shoulder kind of thing. But yep. um, to be honest, leading into the Olympics, we hadn't actually won a World Series tournament. Okay. Um, and for me, you, you can't you can't do that. Like yep. if you if you're not winning a World Series tournament leading in, like how do you expect to go and win the Olympics? Yep. So um. Prior to that, yeah, we were definitely in a good space. Um, the team was humming, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, on the day, I definitely think Aussie were a better team. Yep. Um, and I think that's probably a thing that probably still gets me, is knowing we didn't play as good as we could have. Um, and obviously a very competitive person, but 
if I had gone out there and known our team had played our best and we'd yep. still lost, I would be able to take that. But yeah, knowing knowing we didn't, so it's um, yeah still a bit bittersweet. But again, looking back as well, like um, just being proud of that silver too because. It wasn't until probably a good week after and some of us stayed on at the Olympics and went to a lot of the other sports. You know, there was like Emma Twig, who was um, world number one, expected to win, and, and she didn't even medal. So mm. kind of put things into perspective pretty quickly that, holy, like, you still won an Olympic silver medal. So, um, yeah, I sort of sit on both sides of it, to be honest. Like, bittersweet, getting the silver, but also, like, sort of unfinished business. As we hold ourselves to such a high account, and by we, I mean you guys. <laughs> um, is it is it hard to get back up after that, or can you get past it pretty quickly? How do you decompress after after, like you said, it's and it's even the wording. You, instead of saying that you lost and got silver, you won silver, mm. like because it's you yeah. arrive there. You know, I think there's a bit of a mentality and probably a a bit of a shift. Obviously, we always want gold, and we always want gold for everything, but. We punch pretty well for a, for a small country. How do you decompress after something like that, refocus, and then go and go back in for it? What's the process? Oh, it's a long process, and I think um, I'd be lying if, if we said that we still aren't finished with yeah. that process. I think it goes a four-year cycle process, so from day one after you've um, won silver yeah. to, <laughs> to the, you know, the next Olympics, like that's the whole process and it has yep. to be that long or else if you, if you think that two years process is going to win you this back end, you're kidding yourself. So um, there was a lot of big talks um, that had to happen, uncomfortable conversations. Uh, and I guess the biggest one was a lot of people looking at themselves. Um, what role did you play in this? Um, not just trying to say, oh, they did this or this could have been better, what about yourself, you know, um, looking at yourself, what could I have done better? Uh, and then, like you said, appreciating and acknowledging too that we did win a silver medal. Um, when I was at the Olympics, I remember walking through the village um, with my silver medal, and I had my um, doom and gloom face on, like the world had just ended, and um, I was walking and um, this guy comes up to me, and I can't remember where he's from, and I, I might have been like Kenya or something, and he said to me, you know, what? Well, why do you have a sad face? And I said, oh, you know, one silver. And then he said, um, he said, oh, this is my third Olympics and I have no medals. I wish for that medal, like, you know? And I yeah. just was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love this medal, I love you, like, yeah. you know? And then straight after that, like, that kind of put me in a, yeah. and I, I remember I did a post and I was like, yeah, I'm so happy. And then obviously too, what happened then, like my brother um, done his Achilles That's and right. he had to go home and I think, them, the boys team were in such, you know, they were a good team, man. They had good yeah, players, they but they d they didn't even medal. And, yeah. and, you know, like it just puts it into perspective. And I think the thing that hurt the most was, man, we trained our asses off for that. Like, oh, I, there was times where I, I was like, maybe Sevens isn't for me. I might, need to, I might need to quit and pull out. Like, because we went into some dark, dark places. Yeah. And um, I think that was the most frustrating part is like, you just put everything in. But like I said, um, for me, it's got to be the off-field and on-field. You can't just have one or the other. Or yep. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yep. So I think off of that too, like, that's why we've been so successful since. Yep. Like Noel said, we went away and, and looked at things, and um, we've actually only lost Australia one time since then. Yep. And again, since that oh, that loss was, uh, was it uh, 2018, we haven't actually lost again. So yep. it was sort of taking those learnings from those things and... Um, I think if it wasn't for them, we probably wouldn't have won Com Games, we wouldn't have won the Sevens World Cup. 
Um, we wouldn't have won four tournaments in a row. So you took you didn't just take those learnings. Two years later, <laughs> my extensive notes tell me it was twelve all in extra time, and Kelly Brazier gets the ball and goes eighty, <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's every goddamn player in the women's team on top of her, living, <laughs> loving life. Yeah, it was sorry, a pile up. <laughs> you, know, you were third in, <laughs> third in, but probably most aggressively. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> so and uh, but you know, like while like, I know you're talking about it being you know the Olympic sort of the next Olympics being, you know, the, you know, the way to sort of um, bounce back from the 2016 Olympics, but certainly 2018 Com Games and not just winning it against Australia who had defeated you at the Olympics, but the way you won it, like it was a game. That was a game. And, um, you know, it had, that had to be so satisfying for, for all the work you'd done in that two-year period. Oh, I think even before that, um, people don't, Realised too that the game actually before we played Australia, so the last time we played them before that final, we lost to them 31-0 yeah. in our in the final at the World Series in, Sid, in Sydney, yep. I think. And um, got tapped up. That that game, holy! I've never been like even my whole. Sporting Did you have career, your uh, grumpy face back oh, on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like grumpy, like don't cry in front of everyone right now, like hold your hold your yep. shit together because man, I was I actually felt embarrassed like. Only, only because like they they played well, they they gave it to us, but we just oh hey we were just off like every like passes going to no, like couldn't hear each other passes going to nowhere and yep. just all the it was just so hard like you know when you're on the field and you're like is this really happening? Not really. That's the only game I've ever been like, holy shit, we are getting it given to us. But yeah. I remember after that game, I was like, I am never going to be in that position again. Yeah. And that, and if anything, Aussie, they probably, yeah, they, they helped us to win those, that, yeah. that medal because I was like, no, nah, we're not losing to you again. And the work we all knew that we had to put in when we looked at ourselves after that tournament, there was another time, eh, big uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And just the realisation, acknowledging, bro, this is, we've got lots to do before their comm games. It's and that tale yeah. you hear a lot though, isn't it? You mm. learn more from your losses than you do from oh, your wins. And, and those are the times when you have a, a real look at yourself and make sure that you're, you know, bone deep preparation and all that stuff, isn't it? Is it, is it dangerous now being, of riding the high that you're currently on? Like, is it, do you kind of feel like you've got more to give and there's a little bit left in the tank and you've held a little bit back because Jay, just con continually beating, you're just in a competition with yourselves now? I think we've probably learned again from the past. We've been there before where we've won con like consecutive tournaments and then, like you say, we turn up to the next tournament and then you lose 31-0. Yeah. Um, so for us... Like we now, we've been there before and we sort of know what it takes um, to turn that thing around to hopefully not have that slump. So it comes back to just that competition within our group is like massive. So yep. um, when we win, yeah, we celebrate it, we take it on, we know we're on the right track. But as soon as we get back here, it's back on the horse kind of thing. Like we have, um, we know we have so much more to give. Mum and dad might have to have another fight, you know, just to keep the team, keep the team on their toes. Maybe I can organise that. <laughs> I have no doubt. Yeah, but um, again, like um, you know, from all the for the imagery that you see when your girls are on the road at tournaments, like when you see you at training, and it's you know, hearing it now and you guys speaking, the culture looks amazing. Like you, you've sort of got a group of girls that have um, a lot of them have are pioneers of the program. 
And then you've got, now almost hearing you talk, you've got a couple of groups. You've got some, some old dogs, you know, mm. who are keeping everyone honest and making sure that the standard is really high. And you've got some new girls coming through. Is that, is that culture what it looks like? Is it pretty awesome? Yeah, it is. Um, I can honestly say I love being here. Um, there has, has been times when I was thinking, oh, man, I don't want to turn up to camp. Yep. You know, just not, just not, it wasn't just there, that passion. But, um, uh, yeah, today, like, every day I, I, I feel blessed to be in this team. And even with um, this whole COVID thing going on and, you know, being my age, you kind of start to think about a little bit of retirement. And, and when it happened and not seeing the girls for this amount of prayer, we, when we came back for that connection, I was a little bit emotional because I, yeah. I that's when I realised, nah, I still wanted to be a part of it because I missed it so much. And that's that's from culture. That's yeah. nothing to do with the playing. Like, that's the bonus part, but um, actually wanting to be around the people. Um, yeah, I think a massive part of our culture is obviously... Um, a, Led by um, our coaches Bunce and Corey, um, they're a big part of that, and yep. then um, our leadership group. And because our leadership group is so diverse, like we are chalk and cheese, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what makes it work because you have a group of girls underneath that you're hopefully um, inspiring. And yep. um, but like I said, you don't have to have a C next to the name to be a, a, a leader. Yep. You know, um, some girls might um, be more prone to going to cows for, uh, and get being inspired by her. Some might be with me, some Ruby or, yep. you know, Portia and, and Gossie. So um, I think we all lead in our own ways and hopefully they feel comfortable with that. And then it's just like, you know, like it just flows on yep. when you have that respect and trust and, yeah, I just I, I I love turning up to work, and um, I I get a little bit emotional thinking like what's next. But I just want to enjoy this moment, and it's it's definitely from the culture that we've all built and put um, a lot of work into it. And like like uh, Cal said, you know, we we have tough conversations at the top that not necessarily everyone needs to hear, but those those conversations need to be had, and then you get it off your chest and then and it works again because the biggest test of culture is when you're losing yeah because everyone's oh it's about to swear yeah. <laughs> everyone's everyone's all happy and you know like love you you sus and all that when you're winning but the true test is when you're losing because that's when you have to have each other's back the most and i think we've gone through a couple of losses that are big ones and we've pulled out on the other side so for me that's the true measurement you know yep. absolutely i reckon too like we're obviously trained together all day every day um, like we're in there at 8 o'clock and we're normally up by 4 but you can get home on a Friday and it's 5.30 and you've already got Niles message me like oh yeah what are you up to like, <laughs> so, like, I need a babysitter oh, like, I was going to yeah. say needy <laughs> you literally see hand. you literally see them more than you see your partner kind of thing so and that's not just a couple like that's across the board like yeah. you'll see each other every day and then it's like Saturday Sunday together again so it's um it's pretty cool. You, that's when you know it's genuine. Yeah. You've built this and you've been a part of it for quite some time. What next? Where to? Does Back. that does Back. that does that pull heavy on the heart, knowing that what you just talked about will wrap up? Yeah, I probably don't like thinking about it to be honest, because um, like Noel said, I just love where we're at at the moment. Um, I love turning up to training every day, um, whether you get thrashed or whether it's an easy session. Like I love it. And um, to think that you might no longer have that is a bit of a weird feeling. Um, but I guess reality is you can't, you can't play forever. So um, for me, I've sort of been trying to get in and I think mentioned it, Noel mentioned about earlier, like I'm sort of want to be involved in the coaching side of things. So um, 
if I ever coach anyone out there, you'll probably have to hold me back because I'll probably <laughs> try to jump on the field myself. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I, I just love the sport, love the game, and that's probably why I want to sort of get into coaching and, and stay involved. But, um, yeah, after this virus too, I think it's um, made me realise how much I want to stick around and never mind the age. <laughs> <laughs> just the number basis. So on. 34. But you, have got <laughs> you must be 36 then. <laughs> Give or take. Yeah. But you have got, and you know, it, all's, it is uncertain times and a lot of these things aren't confirmed or locked in, but potentially next year um, you have in the same calendar year potentially the Olympics again um, and the opportunity to go back and, and try and turn that silver into gold and a Women's World Cup at home. Like... There's a couple of things to play for. How good's that? That's when you're struggling to get out of bed in the morning and, and go out and do another session. That's got to be heavy on the mind and a great motivator. Oh, yeah, it's unreal for me. Obviously, played for a few years. Um, if I was successful, it would be my fourth World Cup. So Jesus, to think that, um, A few years. <laughs> yeah. To think that um, you could play on home soil, like, that's what you dream of. Um, yeah. There's nothing like playing in front of your friends and family on home soil, so... Yeah, that would that would be a pretty wicked way to, um, I guess, finish the year. But um, before that, um, I think both of our focus will be on that Olympics and yep. hopefully all going well, it will go ahead and, like you say, sort of rectify that um, silver and hopefully come back with that, that gold. But, yeah, very exciting times ahead. And for me, it's yeah sort of easy to get out of bed when you've got a couple of those things on your mind. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess you just have to, like in my mind, like these, the whole world's telling you it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. But like you said, to get your ass out of bed in the morning, you've you got to tell yourself it's happening. Yep. Because the that period that you might take off because you think it's not happening will be the difference between you yep. and that, the, the other teams, the other players. So um, for us, bro, the Olympics is happening. Yep. We're going to Olympics, Tokyo 2021. That's it. And... Uh, and and you just got to have that. Like um, I I need that too. Yep. Mm. It's not just we we got to have. It. I just I need it. Yep. And so um, yeah, uh, for me, yep, that's my focus is twenty twenty one. And like Cal said, I, I'd try play for to I was forty if I could. But um, <laughs> as long as the, the 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 old knees can keep running around and and um, keeping up with the the youngins and old girl over here yelling at me, I think I'll, I'll be all right for at least another year or so. So, and like I said too, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna live this dream again. Um, yep. You know, uh, it's hard to replicate this in an everyday job. So. Um, for me, post this, if I could do something with youth, uh, I, I'm doing a youth paper at the moment, so awesome. um, that would be a dream come true, and hopefully maybe if uh, Kelly becomes coach, she can just wing <laughs> me along, <laughs> make up a role for me or something. <laughs> just motivator, <laughs> arguing, <laughs> argument specialists. <laughs> well, thank you very much. We could probably wrap it up there, girls. It's been awesome to sit down and have a chat with you. I really appreciate you giving us the time, and uh, congratulations again, and best of luck for that Tokyo 2021. We're going to set our sights on something. Have a fantastic rest of your week. That's been mega. Thank you. Thanks, girls. Awesome. Thank you.